Hello there, and welcome to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, suspense, and thriller books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting the podcast. This is episode number 41, and I'll be interviewing best-selling crime and thriller author Libby Fisher-Hellman. Uh, it's a great uh, interview. She's got a lot of experience. We talk a lot about uh, writing thrillers, about her books, about history, uh, about the craft of writing uh, suspense and thrillers. Uh, so it's going to be a, a great episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, just a quick reminder to please check our sponsor. It's a, a great way of supporting this uh, podcast. And that's at audibletrial.com forward slash MTTA. You'll be able to check out a lot of great thriller audiobooks uh, over there uh, on that link, and you'll support the uh, podcast by doing that. And so, uh, without any further ado, here is episode number 41 with uh, Libby. So, Libby, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing very good. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Love to talk. All right. So that's good. That's good. That's always good for an interview. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, it's good for an interview. Not so good for writing, but um, I am a big procrastinator. So anything that I can do except write, I'm very happy to do. Yeah. So I've provided you a, 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 an excuse, a, a writing procrastination excuse. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, which begs the question, why? why? Yes. You know, I'm, because I, I guess I'm one of those writers who hates to write. <laughs> yes, there's another yeah. pod, there's another podcast out there which I love. It's been on, going on for many years. It's called I Should Be Writing. That's the the podcast host called her show that. I'm like I love that title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, uh, about your writing? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm originally from the East Coast. I grew up in in Washington D.C. And um, I, uh, I now live in Chicago. I've lived in Chicago for about more years than I care, care to mention. Um, I've reinvented myself four times, and this one seems to be sticking um, as a writer of suspense fiction, crime fiction, and crime thrillers. But my background um, is working in broadcast news and then producing videos, training executives to be better speakers, and then being a mom. So all of that stuff combined has finally let up, and now I am a writer. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, novels out there, right? You say, um, I have like 12 novels so far? Well, number 14 is coming out, actually, uh, February 28th. Oh, wow. Good timing. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Uh, uh, which one is that one? Is that the, the Ellie Foreman mystery series? No, it's a historical standalone. It's actually three stories, two novellas and a short story that are all set during World War II on the home front. So it's called War, Spies, and Bobby Socks. Oh, I love that title. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, one of the novellas is about a German refugee who's forced to spy on the early years of the Manhattan Project in Chicago. You know, before they moved out to Los Alamos to actually build the bomb, they had to um, create a, a nuclear chain reaction. And there were different places in the country that were working on it, and Chicago won. 
kind of like the World Series. They won the World Series of uh, nuclear chain reaction because they were able to do one before any of the other places. Anyway, so in my fiction, there's a woman who's forced to spy on that. And then there's also a fascinating uh, novella. Well, at least it is to me. <laughs> Let's hope readers feel that way about um, German POWs who were incarcerated in uh, the United States. And a lot of people don't know that from 1943 until 1945, the end of the war, there were nearly half a million German POWs who were incarcerated in camps all over the United States. I think there were only four states that did not have any POWs. And it, it wasn't a big secret, but it wasn't, you know, widely broadcast either. So there are a lot of people who actually lived during that time that never knew that they had German POWs uh, nearby. And then certainly the children and grandchildren of those people probably don't know that their grandparents were living near German POWs. That, I mean, the stories uh, that I've heard since I've done re my research and um, actually written the, P <clears throat> excuse me, written the novella have been fascinating. Yeah, that, that does sound fascinating. I had no idea about that, that there was that many uh, POWs uh, here uh, yeah. in, the, in, in, the, in the States. And then a lot of them were they like soldiers there? Were they like... Uh, they're all, they were all... Also, soldiers. real real life, real POWs. <laughs> so... So here's the thing, that most of the soldiers, most of the German soldiers were Wehrmacht, which is the military forces of Germany. Some of them were SS and Nazis, but most of the German POWs were like, you know, they were drafted, just mm -hmm. like U.S. soldiers were drafted. And when they were captured, it was like, okay, we're done, we did our job, we got captured, let's hope for the best. And they just kind of said, okay, I'm done with fighting. But the uh, um, soldiers who were SS or who were Nazis were obviously had uh, a little more aggressive, a little more, um, I suppose, um, not loyal, but just a little more um, pro-Germany. And... The biggest conflict that the Army had, the, the U.S. Army ran the programs, were the, was the conflict between the Wehrmacht soldiers and the SS. And there were actually a couple of murders that took place in the camps between the SS officers and the Wehrmacht soldiers. So being a... Uh, crime fiction author, you can imagine where that story goes. <laughs> yeah, I can just see your imagination going as you were reading the reading that. <laughs> oh, ex as soon as I found out about it, I said, there, there's my plot. <laughs> <laughs> so you get that, a lot of your ideas for your for your other series and everything, do you look kind of, is that, you you get them from like news items and, and things you like that? Yeah, I would say most of them. Mm -hmm. um, or history. Um, I'm, I was a history major in college, and I loved reading about the past, and I loved reading about how we as human beings seem to repeat the same mistakes over and over again, or, you know, 
make slightly different variations in those mistakes. And, you know, when you're a student, you're taught about the patterns of history. And you do, I have found that people, no matter where they are or what time they lived, are the same and they make the same mistakes over and over again. So um, that to me is fascinating. And I guess what appeals to me is imagining myself or or just a normal ordinary person in a situation that is extraordinary for example um you know a normal kid who is a pow in a german pow camp in the u.s what would he be thinking what would he be talking about what would, how would he be interacting with his peers and with the guards what would he be hoping for i mean i love that kind of of uh, imagination and I think that's really where all of my historical stuff comes from the contemporary stuff the more crime thriller oriented stuff comes a lot from what I see and hear on the news and do you find it challenging writing um, a story set in World War II with you know without cell phones and computers or was that kind of liberating or <laughs> It's actually kind of liberating, but I will tell you that it's taken me almost 20 years to write about World War II because uh, there's such a body of literature about it, and there's so many beautiful things that have been written. I kept asking myself, what could I possibly add, and you know, what am I kind of fool? I, I, what kind of fool am I to even try to think I could add anything? to that time period but you know very slowly over the years little pieces of stories came and so I just decided uh, you know I had some encouragement from some friends and so I said okay well you know I'll give it a shot see what happens so this is the result uh, so, so it must be exciting after all those years to finally uh, be so close to being out, uh, published <laughs> well yeah I mean been down the road before yeah but yeah it should be fun. I, I love the cover. If anybody wants to see, I mean, it's the absolute best cover ever. So um, you can find it all over my website, LibbyHelman.com, and all over the retailers. But it's it's this cover that you know it looks like that there there's a German POW. You don't see his face, but you see the uniform. But then you have to look really carefully at some of the corners of the cover image, and you see these other things sort of poking through that are half transparent and it's really neat I yeah I, I do like that I'm, look, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now The I like the font too the, for the war spies that's really yeah. nice and I noticed you're, you're having a Goodreads book, book giveaway too so just then oh I just added it out so, never mind <laughs> too late <laughs> but uh, but it is on NetGalley oh okay so if any of your listeners are on NetGalley I think that you, they can get it up until March 1st and all reviews will be happily uh, accepted. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, if, anybody, if you're listening to this, and uh, you can go to NetGalley and look for it. I'll have a link to it on the, on the website, too. So for listeners, if you want to go find it, you'll find it there. And I'll have all links to your website and everything, too, as well. Um, so now your other series, you're, you, it seems like you're having a couple series. You have the, um, the Ellie Foreman series. Is that, the, is that like yeah. your other one? Well, that's one of them, and then there's the Georgia Davis series, mm-hmm. and I can tell you a little bit about that. And then there are the other um, historical standalones that I've written 
But um, Ellie and, and Georgia, let's see, both of them are, are contemporary. Both of them are set in Chicago, mostly on what we call the North Shore, which are the, uh, they're fairly affluent suburbs, but, you know, like many suburbs, there's evil under every plush wall-to-wall carpet. Um, and Ellie is an amateur sleuth. She was uh, the the protagonist of my first series, and she's a video producer. Imagine that. Um, and she just has a, a insatiable curiosity, which gets her into trouble. Um, so there are five books in that series, um, and about halfway through writing those five books. I introduced a character in an Ellie book who was a former cop, female, and her name was Georgia Davis, and she is the antithesis of Ellie. Ellie will go out to lunch with you and give you too much information about herself, and Georgia won't go out to lunch with you at all. She's very cautious. She's very standoffish. She's kind of a loner. Um, So I made her a PI and gave her her own series and it's a little darker than the Ellie books or the Ellie series um, it's more hard boiled and uh, there are four books in that series so. And, so, and those are both active series you're, you're, they're continuing on yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. number five in the Ellie book number five in the Ellie series came out last year I, admittedly I, I took ten years off <laughs> <laughs> from writing her but then a story came to me about um, electronic surveillance and Chinese spies and the Uyghurs who I don't know if your listeners know who they are but they are the the second largest minority group in China and they happen to be Muslim so there was a lot of interesting um angles to write about them um and then throw ellie in the middle of it and it was a great i mean that was my i loved writing that book it was uh, uh really a, much more espionage than um i'd written before and that came out last year at this time um the next book i'm writing is not a georgia book however i will get back to georgia i left her in a pretty good place in the fourth book she's she in she's in a pretty good place so um i can let her rest for a couple of years before i bring her back as usually when you're writing one series you focus on that one you don't jump back and forth between the two no yeah that'd be tough i would think (laughs) no when i it's really interesting when i first started writing i could write a novel and a short story totally different totally different characters settings place um at the same time, now I can't. I can only do one story at a time. Probably my brain is frazzled at this point, but I can only do one at a time. And do, you, do you like? Um, do you do like a lot of plotting and outlining, or do you just kind of like start writing? Um, I I do a little bit of plotting, but not all that much. Um, I have a premise. I know who's going to be killed, and I think I know who did it, but 
um, as that's about it. And then I kind of think about um, tentpole scenes, I call them, you know, the scenes that kind of anchor part one and part two, and then the climax. Um, and then I just start writing. At this point, I should know enough about craft to know what needs to go where and when. And, um, you know, I kind of have a rhythm for it at this point, uh, which doesn't make the writing any easier. In fact, it makes it harder, which is one of the reasons I say I'm the only writer I know who hates to write, um, because it's so hard. Hardest thing I've ever done. But I love the plotting. I mean, the plotting is the most fun, so. Yeah, so it's something I, when I first uh, wrote my first book, I thought, well, the second one will be easier, and it was not. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. that's what I keep hearing from other, from, from, uh, other writers, saying that it doesn't get any easier, so just get that out of your head. <laughs> yeah, no, it gets harder, because yeah. you know what won't work. I mean, you, you know, you learn, hopefully one learns from one's mistakes, and you know what won't work in a book, but that doesn't mean you know what will. <laughs> you know, and, and when the universe is, when you have the choice of anything in the universe to write about, it makes it a little overwhelming yeah, I mean, the, I'm sorry was that no I was just going to say I mean the idea of coming down to a blank computer screen every morning morning terrifies me still so yeah and I, and I did notice that when I was doing when I was looking at your uh, at your books that you uh, you contributed in a couple non-fiction uh, books about writing crime fiction uh, right how is that that sounds, that sounds like a, a like a great uh great project i i kind of love to teach when i was working and i would train people to be better speakers i would be training them for speeches and broadcast interviews and print interviews so teaching is something that that i enjoy i enjoy giving back and once i knew enough to think that i had something to offer other writers I started to do different kinds of workshops. I think the the one that I do the most is um, how to build suspense. And it's very close to my heart because before I ever started writing, I was reading suspense novels. And I love to stay up way too late just because I couldn't put the book down and I had to figure out, I and mean, I had to finish it and figure out who did it. And... Um, so when I actually did start writing, I knew that suspense was always going to be a, a, a very important hallmark of my writing. So I wrote like three books, three or four books. And I, and people said, Oh, you really do suspense. Well, and I sort of scratched my head one day and said, what am I doing? <laughs> so I, I kind of took it apart, deconstructed it. And with some help doing with some friends and then doing a little research, figured out what I was doing and why I was doing it and put that into a workshop form, which I do pretty regularly, you know, at libraries and conferences and things like that. So that's one. I do another one on dialogue. I do one on um, research. I do one on self-publishing because I also am uh, self-publishing as well as much as um I'm a hybrid author, so, um, and then I do one on marketing some, sometimes, but that's changed so much. Oh, yeah, the marketing, that's always the, 
<laughs> the tough, that could be really, the real tough part as well for, for, for a lot of writers who have to go sell their, sell their books and sell themselves, really, nowadays. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. It's yeah. the worst. I mean, I, I mean, marketing, I'm sure you've heard this before. I'm sure it probably applies to you as well. You know, you can, you can do promotion and marketing 10 hours a day and, and not have any idea of whether it's working or not. And when you think what you could have done with those 10 hours if you've been writing, it just really, it, it just seems to be so out of balance. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems that like the, a lot of the, the responsibility is falling, even if you, for, I have friends who have uh, are traditionally published, but with smaller presses, and a lot of that work still is their responsibility. <laughs> so it's like, oh. <laughs> Well, it's, it's the case with traditionally published authors, whether they're big five or not. I mean, I started out being being published by uh, Penguin, Berkeley Prime Crime, and I still had to do a ton of marketing. This was like 15 years ago. Oh, that's, so fa- that's fascinating because I always hear like, oh, you know, they, you'd get your advance and you just focus on writing and then they'd do all the selling and the marketing. But I guess... Oh, that's good to hear, actually. The only thing... The only thing it, well, uh, let me let me say this. It depends on your advance. If you're getting fifty thousand or more, you can expect them to do some uh, uh, marketing for you because they have a vested interest. You know, they've just shelled out fifty thousand to you. If you're fifty thousand or less, though, a lot of it's going to rest on your shoulders. I mean, I know a ton of authors who make thirty thousand, and you know they're tearing their hair out because they have to pretty much put most of it after their agent is paid back into promotion. Hmm. So, I mean, if, you know, and we're not talking about the, the, um, you know, bestsellers. I mean, if you're a continual, uh, bestselling author, you don't have to do a lot of it yourself. I mean, Michael Connelly and, and Dennis Lehane and, uh, Laura Lippman and those folks get a lot of help. But us, who are in in the uh, mid-list category, high or low, kind of have to do it all ourselves. Oh, we'll do a lot of it. I will say that that one of the good things that the Big Five does, um, and always did and probably always will, is distribution. I mean, they get the books out there. And that in itself is a monumental achievement in this day and age. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially now with the. That's why I think a lot of the focus in for the indies is the ebooks because it's hard to really get with paperbacks. Printed books is so hard anyway to compete with what the machine that they've built up over the years. Right, but I think the focus with ebooks is that you get a whole lot more money. Yes, that's a nice part too. <laughs> yeah, well, at least that's why I'm doing ebooks. Yes. Yeah. And were you a fan of the of the thriller genre as a reader? Like when you uh, what, uh, have you always been a fan of the suspense and all this? Yeah, I always have. I mean, suspense movies, suspense books. Um, I, I really didn't. In fact, I, I had a steady diet of thrillers, of political and espionage thrillers, from the time I. Um, you know, was an adult on. Um, I, I loved Le Carre and Ludlum and Len Dayton. I used to call them the three L's and, and Ken Follett, who also was had two L's in his name. So, and at that point back then it was all men, but I used to love to read their books. And, 
after a steady diet of them, however, you know, they all started to sound the same. I mean, the world was going to blow up. The heroes saved the world from blowing up and then ran off into the sunset with his girlfriend (laughs) or not. Um, And my mom was actually, is actually a uh, prolific mystery reader. And she was the one that turned me from thrillers to mysteries. And um, I got hooked on mysteries for a while because I thought they were a little more complex and a little more cerebral. Um, But now I kind of do a mixture of both. I think all of my books have an element of mystery and most of them have a lot of suspense. So that's when you decided to write a, a, a fiction book. Uh, naturally, you were like, oh, it's going to be like a thriller or, or one of these that I'll, because I've enjoyed reading them so much. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know, usually I get, I don't know which, I mean, sometimes the story comes first and then sometimes it's the setting or the time period. For example, I um, just started a new novel, which I, I'm like only 20 pages into it. But it's going to be a standalone, and it's going to basically be three different time periods, but the main time period is going to be the McCarthy years during the 1950s. So um, I was kind of interested in that. I, not, I Maybe Mad Men kind of influenced that. And then there's this great series, Australian series, called A Place to Call Home, which isn't really a mystery or anything. But it takes place in the fifties, and and um, so I kind of I'm interested in exploring that for a while. Hmm. And what's your writing day like when you're writing a project? Do you like uh, do you write every day? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I used to be so much more disciplined. I would write in the morning, and then do my errands, and take care of my kids, and then maybe revise in the evening when they went to bed. Um, I don't do that anymore. I have no idea how I finished the last five or six books between marketing and promotion and writing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And do you still find time to read? Um, I'm not reading as much as I used to. I mean, I have, you know, books all over my, my, I know, my house and, and I'm, it, I still have tons of them all over the place, but I don't know. I'm not reading. And I'm actually reading outside the genre more often now than I was. Maybe maybe it's just that I'm kind of, you know, I feel like I've already been around the uh, genre too much. And it's time to have a, what do they call it? Yeah, palate cleanser. Palate cleanser. Like this sorbet they give you between courses at a fancy restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's a little break. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And do you like to do any of any of your? Uh, do you find like any of yourself in your characters, like in the Georgia Davis and or the, the other series? Yeah, yeah. But since I'm a schizophrenic, they're not the same person. Just and, different voices. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I, I started to get into that a little bit. Ellie is very friendly and. And will tell you everything she she knows and um, is curious. And George is a loner and doesn't want to interact with people. And both of them are different sides of my own 
my own personality, I guess. So I enjoy kind of dabbling in that. Um, and they both have their own voices. Um, in fact, you know, I told you I had taken like a 10-year hiatus between the fourth and the fifth book in the Ellie series. But after I'd written the first page of the Ellie of the new Ellie book, number five, it was like coming back to an old friend. You know, it was like coming back to someone you hadn't seen in a while, and it was really fun. That part of it was kind of fun. Oh, yes. so like, uh, yeah, like, a, like, you, like riding a bicycle, they say, you don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. And what do you use to write? Do you like write like on Word or some, something different? Yeah, yeah I'm a, I, I definitely write on Word. Um, I, my fingers fly faster than my brain sometimes. So um, I find that writing longhand is just too slow for me. <laughs> Although I know a lot of writers who who absolutely love the fact that they go slower when they're writing longhand because it forces them to think. And I'd rather just throw out a whole lot of words and revise and refine them later. Yeah, I can imagine writing longhand. My handwriting is terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so you say, do you interact uh, a lot with your readers? Like, um, are you, like you're, I'm assuming you play on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Yep. Gotta be. Gotta be. Um, and yes, I do interact with my, with my, um, readers and with anybody, you know, right now I'm caught up in the politics of our country and where we're going. And so most of my Facebook activity has been geared toward that. And I know that there are people that don't want to be reminded of it and just want to escape when they go onto Facebook. But unfortunately I'm not one of them, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I have, a, I have a personal page and then I also have a, uh, an author page and I try not to put anything political on my author page. It's just on my personal page. So, Oh yeah. yeah that, that makes sense with the author page. You don't want to, I guess you don't, don't want to turn off readers or offend readers. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I've offended everybody. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so who cares now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to take too much of your time here, uh, but uh, b before we go, I, I do have a lot of listeners who are aspiring writers um, who tell me they like this when I ask uh, uh, writers for advice. So do you have any advice for anyone who uh, maybe hasn't, hasn't uh, published anything yet? Hmm. Wow. She's another <laughs> profession. Just an easy little question, right? <laughs> um, it's a hard one because it's hard for me to say, "Oh, keep at it, and and you'll you'll break through, and 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 don't worry, you know, it'll be it'll all be good." Because it won't be because it's a it's it's a very tough market out there. And while I do believe in self publishing, I also don't believe in sub self publishing unless you have had it edited several times and copy edited and you have a professional looking cover. And um, in other words, if you're, if you're going to make the commitment to, to writing a novel or even a short story, do it the right way. I mean, join a, join a writing group, a writer's group. Um, listen to what they say. Don't assume that someone has a chip on their shoulder just because they criticize your writing. Um, and then write. You know, you do get better. 
Yeah, well, not- well, yeah, that's that's a great advice, though, because people think you know, yeah, you you need to get a, a proofreader and a copy and line editor, and those are all different things. But you're competing with uh, with a lot of professionals out there, so you have to be one yourself if you if that's what your goal is. If you just yeah. want to write for fun, then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. I mean, um, I would never publish a book whether I'm being self-published or whether I'm working with a publisher without having a developmental editor take a look at it and then having a copy editor take a, you know, do his or her work and then have a proofreader do his or her work. I mean, you need those three types of editors. So at least I, I feel that way. Um, particularly a developmental editor. That's probably the most important um, a writer's group can do part of that for you, but a writer's group isn't going to want to read every single chapter. Um, so that then gets into, you know, how much money are you willing to put toward your writing? Uh, because whether you are self-published or not, you are going to have to make some investments, um, whether it's actually in the production of the book or the promotion of it or both. So I, I guess what I'm saying, uh, my advice is to learn the rules of the road, join some writing organizations in your um, where you live, or some online writing organizations that have daily lists. You'll learn an enormous amount, particularly if you're writing in a specific genre. Great. Well, great. Thank you very much, Libby. That's a great advice. And... Uh, like I said, I'll have uh, links to your website and uh, show. It's a. Uh, uh, let me just double make sure. It's a uh, Libby. Could you tell us your website? Oh, it's LibbyHelman.com. But the secret is, can you spell Helman? <laughs> yes, I, I, I couldn't. I, I had a little trouble finding a Libby on Skype. <laughs> yeah, two L's, two N's. No relation to the mayonnaise people. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. So I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, and uh, it was nice talking to you. Well, and it was a pleasure. Thanks for setting this up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests, as well as information, uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast. And uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com. I appreciate your support. And so until next episode, I will talk to you then.